From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling for Saturday, uh, September 4th, 2021. And uh, joining us on his birthday, which means he must really love us, uh, is Danny Flecka. Good morning and happy birthday. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um. This is week one. We've had week zero. Now we have week one of the college football season. We joined you early on a Saturday morning on the day where a lot of people are going to be focused on Clemson, South Carolina. But there's a lot of games with a lot of intrigue across various parts of college uh, football. So let's start with the 30,000 foot view. We have talked for years about how the college football playoff seems to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then one of Georgia, Oklahoma, you know, throw in somebody else. Um, I've probably forgotten somebody even while just rattling off these names. Where do you see this sitting as we enter um, the 2021 campaign? Yeah, I think we're in a similar spot again this year. I think it's one of those three teams. Uh, I mean, three of those teams that you mentioned, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, um, that are going to be at the forefront and are probably in the top of the rankings all season long. And then you throw in uh, Team Y, which is, you know, it could be Oklahoma, it could be Georgia, it could be Notre Dame, it could be Oregon. Could be Cincinnati, although I highly doubt the, a, a non-Power 5 school gets in there. Um, you know, those are the teams right now that are in the top top 10 that we got to keep our eyes on. Um, you know, unfortunately, we had a game last night where North Carolina, I think, is already out uh, of the college football playoff. They were ranked number 10. Um, you know, bad loss for them yesterday, even though it was a tough environment for them uh, to go into the Lane Stadium uh, for a night game. But North Carolina is already out of the conversation, so... Um, those teams that I mentioned, I think, are the teams that, that fill that fourth spot. How the season shakes out will, will determine a lot, but I, I don't, you know, maybe Iowa State's another one that you can maybe throw in there, um, but I don't see a lot of outside teams from the ones I mentioned that could potentially, can potentially crash the party. When you look at, because um, we haven't done a podcast, I don't think, since the Oklahoma-Texas situation came out, and <coughs> excuse me. This is a weird Big Twelve right now, with four invites apparently coming, maybe as early as this week. Um, Request for formal invites from BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, um, per multiple reports. You've got Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the SEC in twenty twenty five. I'll be shocked if they're still in the Big Twelve. Uh, leading up to that, it, it, let's let's take this one at a time. A, I would think that if you are a diehard Big Twelve school, think Oklahoma State, think Iowa State, you're gonna want to beat up on Oklahoma and Texas for abandoning ship. Um, if you're Oklahoma and Texas, what do you think you should expect when you start getting into conference play this season? Yeah, I mean, those two teams, Oklahoma and Texas, already probably get, you know, the best punch from the other teams that they're playing on a weekly basis within the Big 12. Um, but, you know, teams like Oklahoma State and Iowa State are, are fighting to get 
into that top echelon of the Big 12 this year to potentially be in the call uh, to be in the you know conference championship game and maybe even you know make an outside run at the college football playoff. Not that I see Oklahoma State coming anywhere close to that, but you know they could be pesky enough to to ruin the season for Oklahoma or for Texas. But I can imagine that the Big 12 teams and, and the messaging within their, their locker rooms are going to be very simple. You know, get the job done, do what we do on a day-to-day basis. But maybe, you know, they harbor some resentment towards what, you know, they're putting their teams through as the future looks uncertain. Um, not that the other teams in the Big 12 realistically had shots at, you know, uh, playoff first or anything like that, but the loss of Oklahoma and Texas not only – you know, weakens the, the division, weakens the conference tremendously. Um, they're going to lose opportunities to recruit in certain areas. They're going to lose opportunities for revenue, um, and they're going to need to find, you know, probably a new home for te- television rights. Um, and, you know, considering what the SEC is going to bring to the table, you know, the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC have already looked like they're going to try to solidify their conferences so there's no more poaching going on. But the Big 12 is really you know, that one division, that one conference that's going to be on the outside looking in, and, you know, they already had a tough enough time getting the national respect that they needed, uh, they're going to really struggle to get it, you know, once Texas and Oklahoma leave. Um, and then when you look at these four teams, and you included Cincinnati and teams that could possibly you know, claw their way into that four spot, depending on how things shake out in, in the college football playoff is this a distraction the fact that as early as 48 hours from now you may be submitting an invitation to leave your conference and move to the big 12 how big of an issue is this yeah so the four teams that are mentioned have been what ucf uh byu cincy uh, and houston and what's the other team as 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 cincinnati and houston got it yeah i think cincinnati is the only team of those three mentioned that really have, you know, big term, big, big goals for this year. Um, but I, I think the locker room they have, the coaching staff they have, the coach that they have, you know, in the locker room is enough for them to, you know, understand what's ahead of them. And, and they seem to have a good grasp on their team. Luke Fickle did an amazing job there to build that program up. I think the distraction for University of Cincinnati is not necessarily, you know, where they're going and where they're going to be playing in the future, but it's like who they're playing this year. They have some key matchups this year that will determine whether or not they're in the college football playoffs. So um, these bits, yeah, they could be, you know, distractions that you get asked about, maybe from a coaching staff side of things. But if Cincinnati has to take care of business against Indiana and Notre Dame, it's really a moot point if, you know, they're, they're going to be in the conversation for a college football playoff first. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, speaking of the college football playoff, you look at this game between Georgia and Clemson. You'll see it tonight um, on ABC at 7.30. Uh, Chris Fowler, Kirk Street, Holly Rowe on the call. Um, is, the, is the loser of this game out, in your opinion? So, I've I listened to a lot of the podcasts and read a lot of articles. And, you know, they're, they're arguing, you know, which side, you know, if they lost, would have a, a chance to go to the college football playoff. And a lot of the narrative seems to be that if Georgia loses, they're still in a good, good place. I disagree with that because the ACC is tremendously weak. Clemson has lost in-conference games. 
numbers of, you know, for a couple of years um, and still have made the college football playoff as long as they don't give up along the way. I get that their schedule's bad, but a one-loss Clemson team that wins their conference championship game is really hard for the college football committee to leave out. A Georgia team that has to run through the SEC and then also beat the SEC West team opponent, most likely Alabama, maybe Texas A&M if they get there. But if you're Georgia, you're hoping that you don't trip up the rest of the way in the SEC, which is the toughest conference in America. I think this game is more important for Georgia than it is for Clemson, in, in all honesty, because Georgia is going to have a lot more chances to trip up throughout the year than, you know, a, a, a Clemson team, and I get it that the SEC East is down, Florida's in a, in a rebuilding spot, um, Georgia, I, I don't know their schedule at the top of my head, but they don't play Alabama this year until maybe the conference championship game, but that's not a guaranteed win. So if you're Georgia, you have to find yourself in a position come end of November, beginning of December, where you're maybe undefeated and you're playing an Alabama team in the conference championship game putting up a fight, either winning it or losing it close, to justify that as a one-loss team, a non-conference winner, that you should make it to the college football playoffs. So I, I disagree with the Clemson notion that it's more important for them. I think this game is all about Georgia, and Georgia needs to be able to go out there and win a big game and prove that they can hang out with the big boys and win those big games when, when their opportunity comes around. Because they haven't been able to do that in the Kirby Smart era. When you look um, at as we take a now kind of a, a more zoomed-in look, is Miami a team that can give Bama some problems today? Or is this going to be one of those deals where just Alabama's Alabama and the rest is history? I think it's one of those situations where Alabama's Alabama. Miami has their quarterback coming off an ACL tear that he had in the bowl game. His game is predicated on movement, running outside the pocket, you know, RPOs. I highly doubt he's near 100% and can do the things that he wants to do. I just think that the strength of Alabama always is on their interior, you know, their offensive line and their defensive line. And not to mention that they have freaks everywhere else on the field. I just think Miami is in for a world of hurt. It might be ugly early because you have a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, you know, Bill O'Brien and Bryce Young. But... I maybe see Miami hanging for a little bit in the first quarter, maybe early in the second quarter, but I think Alabama's speed, Alabama's you know physicality is going to be too much for Miami to handle. I just think that they're it's a bad matchup for a Miami team. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. Let's move on um, to specific players who you think we should keep an eye on, either because they have NFL potential or just because they're going to be really good college players and put themselves on the, on the national spotlight pretty quickly. Yeah, I think the name of the game this year in college is the, the new quarterbacks, um, especially taking over at big-time programs. You know, we saw C.J. Stroud the other day against Minnesota. Looks good, not great. Um, Minnesota had some busts in coverage that allowed for some big plays. Um, his first half was shaky, but he is, you know, that was his first college game. He looks to have, you know, the similar skill set that we've seen from a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks in the past. Not as dynamic as Justin Fields. Uh, you know, doesn't really want to run and get outside the pocket, but has all of the other similarities. You know, big arm, smart. You know, can has a great system from the learning. 
And you go Notre Dame, you know, Jack Cohen, a transfer from Wisconsin. Is he the answer for Notre Dame? You know, they've had good teams in the past. I've always thought that Ian Book was sort of a limitation for them. I didn't really like his style, and yet they won games. But I always thought that he held on to the ball too long, was too quick to scramble and, you know, bail on plays. So Jack Cohen isn't that. He's going to sit in the pocket and deliver the ball. He has some mobility, but he doesn't have, like, the same elusiveness as Ian Book. So, you know, how does he do in his first year in South Bend? Is he able to, to you know, navigate the game through, I think, a pretty tough schedule? Um, and stay in the Midwest, too. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati being hyped up as a potential top 10 pick for next year. Um, he has all the traits that you're seeing. A lot of quarterbacks, you know, being drafted high now. You know, can move outside the pocket, good legs, good arms, smart. It's, I think it's his third or fourth year starting, so he has the experience. You know, how is he going to be able to, again, to navigate a tough schedule in a year where Cincinnati has a ton of expectations? Then you go down you know, to the SEC, and you have, like, Bryce Young in Alabama, Max Johnson in LSU, JT Daniels at Georgia. Um, you know, how are these quarterbacks going to be able to handle lofty expectations and uh, for a lot of these teams too, you know, bounce back from the bat, you know, from the COVID year that we had last year. So I think the quarterbacks are, are what I'm going to be keeping an eye on because we know that they're the most important draft capital, you know, as we move towards the NFL. But a lot of big names starting, you know, for a lot of big programs uh, where we had some, you know, really good quarterbacks move on. And that, that's not even mentioning DJ. I'm not even going to say his last name, so I'm going to butcher it over at Clemson. So uh, I think quarterbacks are the, are the position to keep an eye out for this year. We shall see how that turns out. Um, we'll get back to college at the end, but let's move on to the NFL. My dad made a find, Danny, um, in, in, in the house. Evidently, the end of a Jets season did not work out um, to our favor. Dear officials, I hate you. You suck. I'm uh, pointing at... Um, you because you blew the fourth down call when the Jets Wayne Quebec clearly caught it but you ruled it incomplete now you may have ruled it incomplete because it was fast speed and you had to make a one and only call but this is also a good example of why you should bring instant replay you suck and goodbye. That may have caused, uh, uh, ruined the Jets. Uh, uh, sorry, ruined the game for the Jets and the division title season and their playoff hopes. Sincerely, Jeremy Schilling. P.S. Maybe the college officials out there are better than you. We don't have a date, we don't have a year, we don't have anything, but I was unhappy at um, um, NFL officials as a kid. Yeah, that's a strongly worded letter there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I was handed this this morning, and I'm like, oh my God, this doesn't even sound like me. But evidently, I was a very frustrated, unhappy kid at one point. Yikes. Yeah, I, think we've all, I think we've all been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, NFL officials. All right. Uh, Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, we've got uh, Dallas and Tampa in the NFL kickoff game. 
Dak Prescott says he's going to be ready to go. Where are you right now when it comes to the Cowboys and everything surrounding them? Yeah, I think there's a lot of expectations on Dallas for a number of reasons. There always seems to be, and they just never seem to live up to them. I think for Dallas, their entire team is under a microscope. All right? You have a small sample size from last year where the Dallas offense was absolutely ridiculous, putting up points left and right. Dak was on his way to a career year, you know, basically justifying why he was, you know, need to be paid. But their defense absolutely was terrible. Um, so Dallas is in a position right now where, you know, they have a, a driver's seat advantage, you know, to getting into the division and winning that division. That division is still up in the air. They have probably the best offense in the, in the NFC East, maybe second or third offense in the NFC when you look at, you know, what Green Bay can do and what Tampa can do. And you have a defense that has a new defensive coordinator um, and some pieces that are, are good on paper but just haven't seemed to gel as a unit. So I think for the team as a whole, you know, what type of offensive production are we going to see this year? Uh, is it going to be similar to what we saw last year or are we going to come back down to earth a little bit? And if the offense is playing at an exceptional level, can the defense meet it even like halfway where the offense doesn't always have to carry a team? Because there are going to be games where the offense is off or where you're playing good defenses where you need your defense to make stops and help out. Especially if you're trying to beat Tampa and Green Bay, maybe even San Francisco, you know, we know how potent that those Kyle Shanahan offenses can be and wear you down. Can the defense hold up? So I think as a team, they need to figure out, you know, where their strengths lie. Can they hang with the top offense in the league on the defensive side of the ball? And then on the offensive side of the ball, really just avoid injuries. Because they had a banged-up offensive line last year. Dak obviously was out. There are skilled players. You know, Zeke was the game. Cooper was in and out of the lineup. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was a rookie. But, you know, all reports show that he's ready to take that leap to be a number one wide receiver. You know, that, that team is scary on paper when it comes to, comes down to it. But can they meet those expectations? And can that defense perform? Again, middle of the pack, just so that their offense isn't always – having to put up 40 points a game to win, win, win the games for them. So I think as a team, they, they're, you know, they, have, they have to be able to step up and we'll see what they can do. I don't know if I trust McCarthy enough to do that, though. Um, and then you look at Tampa, uh, who's basically running it back with everybody. Um, that's a dangerous thing to do in the NFL uh, because you're now a year older and we know how short that shelf life is. Um, in the in the NFL, do you think Tampa bringing back everybody is going to be the right move? Yeah, I I struggle with that because they have one of the best erasers in football when it comes to you know hiding mistakes, and that's Tom Brady. And all for all intents and purposes, there's no sign of him slowing down. Uh, I I think every year we we, we have the same conversation about him. But he returns his entire offense, and the defense returns everybody as well, and they look to be you know, one of the top units in the league. I think the one thing you have to worry about when you bring back everybody and you have a similar setup is complacency. You know, are you as hungry as you were last year? Um, and the NFL also last year was a, a unique situation with COVID and the 
stands and everything. And how much stock do we put into home field advantage moving forward? I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out this year with fans back. But Tampa's going to have, you know, a, a tough a tough time repeating just because I think the AFC one is a lot stronger than the NFC, and two. Again, I think the complacency factor does play a part. Um, but when you have Tom Brady, you have to think that he's been through this enough. He's won Super Bowls. He's come back to Super Bowls. He's the last person to win back-to-back Super Bowls. So he understands what it takes. And there's one person in the room you're going to listen to when it comes to you know, understanding how to get there at the end. It's probably him. Uh, as much as you know, we want to discredit him as, as annoying as he might be now with his social media and his posts and everything like that. The guy knows how to win, and you got to give him credit for that. And he knows what it takes to win. He's done it seven times. So I think Tampa's in a good spot with that, but you know the rest of the team has to fall in line, and we'll see how the season progresses. But they're about in a good, as good of a spot as any team coming off the Super Bowl to repeat, as I've seen in the last you know 20 years. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, when the Jaguars face the Texans at 1 p.m. Eastern next Sunday um, on the CBS television network, who is the quarterback for Houston? Tyrod Taylor. I don't think Houston has any intention of playing Deshaun Watson for a number of different reasons. You know, one, that the public backlash of playing him would be tremendous. Two, they have no motivation to win games. And three, they don't want him to get hurt because he's going to get traded. So uh, I don't expect Deshaun Watson to step on the field at all this year. Even be active, I don't see that happening. Um, There's just too much at risk for Houston to play him, knowing that long term he's either going to be a public relations nightmare or you know he's not going to want to play there, which has become evident over the course of the last eight months. So it's going to be Tyrod Taylor. It's going to be ugly. And Houston should be ready to have maybe a winless season, to be honest. When Miami faces the Patriots um, at 425 on the CBS television network next Sunday, we've got two intriguing franchises with two intriguing storylines. For the Pats, and you live in Boston, they go with Mac Jones and cut Cam Newton. What was, A, your level of surprise with that decision and cutting Cam, and then, B, what was the public's reaction? I was surprised because I thought that they would give Cam a shot. All reports and all opinions were that that was the direction they were going to go in. But when it came down and you take a look at it and you watch the tape and you see what's available to you from that standpoint, I think they made the right decision. They couldn't keep Cam as a backup because then you could never really pull the plug on Mac Jones. And then you'd always have him looking over his shoulder. And I just don't think Cam's suited for a backup role. Uh, and that's just my opinion in that sense. And then if you kept Cam and he struggled, which was highly likely considering his last you know, couple of seasons, he's not really the quarterback he used to be, then you have to plug in the rookie. And again, you can't keep Cam in that situation either. So I think it was okay from a perspective of we have a, clean, a chance for a clean start here. Let's do it. Let's get this over with. Let's give this guy a chance to play. Let's see what he can do. Let's evaluate him. We have a good defense. We have a strong system here as far as coaching is concerned. We'll navigate through the top times, and hopefully we can get 10 wins or so and get a chance at the playoffs. So that was my you know, my thought process behind it. The public's reaction was a little split. 
you know, a lot of people were clamoring for Mac Jones. A lot of people were saying, you know, let Cam go out there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the Patriots made the right choice. I just don't think Cam was going to get them to the place they wanted to get get to. Mac elevates that team, even though like, there might be some tough games. He's a rookie quarterback. It happens. But he elevates everybody on that team, especially on the offensive side, knowing that they can run their system. And I think that's the most important part that people miss out on. McDaniels had to change the entire system of play calling for one guy. And anytime you have to do that, it, it usually you know, erodes the foundation that you set in place for the last 20 years, which is what they've done there up in New England. Mac lets them get lets them get back to a more traditional foundation that they've had, a more traditional offense they've had. They have, you know, they spent a ton of money on skilled players. And to be honest, are you going to get that ROI with Cam Newton, that quarterback? Probably not. So Mac Jones just does give them that chance, and I think that's why they went with him. Because when you spend what they spent in free agency. You have to win games, and you have to get that, that return on that investment. And I think Mac Jones is the best person to do that for them this year. We'll see. You know, the NFL's crazy. We'll see what happens next year. But um, I think there was the right choice by them. Danny Flecker with us and teeing it up. Uh, you're a Giants fan. How do you feel about your squad as we sit here um, eight days away from uh, the season opener? I'm worried, to be honest with you. Um, I know... Daniel Jones only played one half against the Patriots, and granted, they played them in, uh, they had joint practices with them, so I don't know how much they were really putting out there. But they've been banged up on the offensive line. Their skill players have been banged up. I, I think their defense will be good. I think, you know, they have an opportunity to have one of the better defenses in the league. Um, but I am worried about that offense, and I, don't know if Jason Garrett's the right guy to get the most out of what they have, and that's the part that concerns me. Um, also, I think the, the whole Barkley situation is really concerning. It's been a year since he's gotten hurt. They've been really coy about what's going on with him. Um, he's been really coy about it. You know, a year, I think, is enough time to come back. I get that maybe they're concerned about, you know, possible um, you know, in, like injuries happening, and they don't want to expose them too much. But if you're going to want to win games, you're going to have to need you're going to need them out there. Um, and again, they spent a lot of money in the off season, and granted, it wasn't maybe in the areas that they needed to spend the money on. You know, edge rusher and offensive line. But you know, all the all the pressure is on that offense this year, and I really hope that they can show me more than what I saw last year. Uh, I want to see more creativity. I want to see more explosive plays. I want to see more risk-taking. You know, not always just running routes in the intermediate part of the field. Um, and, and your hope is that you're going to be able to get that. And maybe Barkley changes a little bit of what they do, you know, and, and we have to give them some time to show that. But I'm worried. I, I just don't know if they have the offensive system in place to keep up with some of the teams in the NFL these days. We shall see how all that shakes out. All right, um, real quick, is there any NFL storyline we've missed? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's going to be an interesting first weekend. I think COVID still hangs large over a lot of what we're going to see this year between the vaccination rates and the, the testing and everything else along those lines. That's not going away. It's going to be a consistent storyline. 
but I think as a fan, I'm just anxious. Like, you know, let's get these games going. Let's start playing. Let's see what we got because um, after going through a year like last year, um, you know, from a fan perspective, you know, I didn't play. I, I don't know what it was like in the locker rooms. I'm sure these, these players, too, are eager to get, get things going and, and feel the excitement of, you know, fans back in the stadiums. And I just think like a renewed purpose because last year was just such a awkward year that I think a lot of what we saw and a lot of what we are judging our, 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 our preseason, you know, expectations on has to go out the window because I think that last year was just an anomaly and this year we start to see things get back towards baseline um, and that's, that's what I'm hoping for at least. Amen to that. Um, okay, one of my favorite questions I ask on my NBA preview pod, I'll now ask it on the NFL preview pod to you, Danny. Most overhyped player you've heard about in preseason that you don't think will do anything when this actually uh, starts for real come Thursday and then Sunday? Wow. Um, that's a tough one. Um, because I think that there's a lot of good players in the NFL that definitely warrant what they, they've gotten. I think one of the most hyped-up people players in the NFL that isn't even going to start has been Justin Fields. Um, a lot of people are projecting that he's going to revolutionize that Bears offense um, and really take it up when he has an opportunity to start. One, we don't know when he's going to start. Two, Matt Nagy still the coach there. And I don't trust him as a play caller to get the most out of Justin Fields. So I think he's been overhyped. Um, I like to see him play um, in some games before we, you know, hand it over to him and, and claim him to be, you know, one of the, the best quarterbacks that we're taking this year. But, I, yeah, I don't know why, why people are putting him up so high and, until he plays. He's not going to start. And, again, Matt Nagy is a terrible play caller, in my opinion. They have a bad offensive line. I just don't know what people are seeing in that sense. I think he's going to be a good player. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the Giants were picking last year. A quarterback, he's probably the guy I would want them to take, but I just don't think Matt Nagy's the guy to get, get that out of him. And finally, Danny Flecka, the winner of the college football playoff is? So I, I'm going with Georgia. Um, that's my team this year. That's, I put a future on them. I, pick, I put money on them to win tonight outright. I just think that in a year where we see transition happening across the board at most of the major programs, um, Georgia has an opportunity this year with you know a, a good quarterback, some explosive uh, skill players, a deep defense. You know they have some depth at all the spots. A well-coached team. Some important games at home. They avoid Alabama until a potential um, SEC championship game. Um, SEC East is down this year. This is shaping up to be an opportunity for Georgia to finally get over that hump. I'll throw it on Georgia. I know it's not, you know, Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. Everyone picks them, but I'm going to go with Georgia. I think that, you know, this is an opportunity for them. I just think that, you know, Clemson has a lot of transition happening at quarterback. Their defense wasn't that impressive last year, and I don't know how much they'll be tested throughout the year. Um, Ohio State 
Uh, same thing. Um, you know, transitioning at quarterback, even though they have some stability on the skill side, but their defense worries me a little bit, especially in the back end. And Alabama, same thing. But we know what a monster Alabama is. But I think that this might be the year that Georgia has an opportunity to to get there and win. Um, so I'm going to throw my chips in on Georgia. There you go, folks. There is Danny Flicka's official prediction. We'll see come January if it turns out to be correct. Danny, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. No problem, my man. Have a good one. You got it, and same to all of you out there. Thanks for listening.